Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer Oshin McConville and by the former Clare footballer Gary Brennan. A huge thanks to, to Renault for their support also. Three provincial semi-finals at the weekend. Three fairly lopsided results in the end, even if the matches were closer in certain instances than the score suggests. But if we leave aside the results for a minute, Oshin, what was the best coach team you saw this weekend? I don't, I don't think there's any any debate about that. And, and you know what? This is a recurring theme as far as Mickey Graham's concerned. Um, I thought Calvin were coached to within an inch of their lives and um, almost pulled off another huge upset. And I think for me, w- one of the reasons why it, it makes it so significant is that two reasons. First of all, 2020, when... Donegal felt they were ambushed by uh, by Cavan and and a few things fell away towards the end of the game and they ended up winning winning it. Um, and then last week, you know, going into that game, uh, surely Donegal looked at Tyrone and went, "Listen, lads, we can't be any in any way. You know, we can't take this for granted. We can't be anyway undercooked. We have to um, we have to bring everything we have." And so they had two real. Uh, shots across the bow, you know, as far as warnings were concerned. And uh, they turned up yesterday, and it, it turned out it had nothing really to do this, with the psychology of the thing. It had more to do with the fact that what um, Mickey Graham was selling, there was, there was a huge amount of substance about it. And if you're the general, you have to have foot soldiers in order to, to carry out what your what your plan is. And in that those cabin lads, he has that. Now the reason why I, I've always said McGuinness's um, the coaching job McGuinness did, Jim McGuinness did to to win the All Ireland with Donegal uh, was probably one of the greatest exploits I've ever seen, um, probably in any sport. And the reason for that was that I had a fairly in depth knowledge of a lot of those guys who um, who he was coaching. So he had a change of mindset first and foremost, and then he had to he had to coach them. They had to be coachable, and uh, they had to deliver to deliver on a plan that let's face it, what didn't exactly have the backing of the nation at the time. Um, so you're up against it in a huge in a huge amount of ways. But a couple of different things yesterday from Calvin, uh, how they rotated the um, the plus one. How they rotated their full forward line, how they um, how they were able to retain the majority of their own kickouts, and a lot of those under a huge amount of pressure. And I think put all those things together, and one more thing, and it might be a lesson to teams: there was no major obsession with uh, who was doing the man marking jobs on the significant Donegal players. And I can't tell you, <laughs> as a coach, how difficult that is to watch, how trusting you have to be in the people that um, that you have out there. Uh, for example, like Murphy, you would expect somebody just to stay with Murphy, but no, Clark put Murphy on the back foot. 
numerous occasions in the first half. Murphy still had his imprint and still had his stamp on the game by the time the game was over, but um, stuff like that. And, and they rotated a couple of times on McBrady and uh, just made things difficult for them. They lost um, by six points, Oshin. They did. They did. Um, but this is the thing. This is the thing I think that we, we lose on. I think we have a notion in our head. The team that wins are really well coached and the team that loses have got something wrong. I don't think Cavan got anything wrong yesterday. And I think that's the gulf that's between those teams. And do you know what, Paul? We're going to go on, obviously, and talk about Cork and Kerry later. And when we talk about Cork and Kerry, uh, we're going to talk about, what was it, 12 points between the two teams? Yeah. Like, it could have easily ended up at least nine, if not ten, point difference yesterday with Cavan. But I still would sit here and I'd still back up everything that I'm saying. And I would still maintain that that was as good and as much as Mickey Graham could have got out of, of that team yesterday. And when you're a coach, that's all you can do. Throw Mickey Graham into the Donegal setup and Donegal potentially would win in All-Ireland. That's oh, really? Do you well, really think that? Yeah, that's how, that's how good I think he is. That's how... That's how well set up he, he his teams are, and um, he, as I say, he has good players in Cavan. Um, but just towards the end, when like Donegal got one one off the bench, Cavan got nothing. I don't know one one; it's not huge. One of the goals was pretty fortuitous, all that sort of stuff. But it's still one one. Like when McGonagall come on, like look at what he added. You know, you know, driving forward and all that. So. They just had a. They just have a bit. They just have a deeper. Can I ask a deep, you a question? Can I ask a question about this? Bench, yeah. I just want to ask you a question about this. You, you, you are giving Mickey Graham a lot of credit there for getting close to Donegal yesterday, and you obviously twenty twenty was they were brilliantly set up in twenty twenty. Do you also credit him with getting Cavan um, demoted to Division Four? That's a that's a good spin on a Paul. That's a good spin on a Paul. Um, I just oh, think it's that, a fact. It's not I know, I know, it's I know. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Relax. Um, you're like a dog with a bone this morning. But anyhow, yeah. No, I I think I think he he has to. Yeah, he has to. Yeah, he's culpable for that. Yeah, but I do think that there's there's excuses for that. I think that when. When Cavan went to the heights that they went to, they were finding it very difficult to reach those heights again. I think they were very finding it very difficult for motivation to play in the divisions that they were playing in, and they went to the they went to the bottom. They went to the all to an all time low. I said at the start of the league, Paul, I couldn't see them uh, losing any points, and and to be honest, you know, they they could have been in a scrap for relegation good in the last couple of games, but uh, they just had enough quality, but. I do think that when it comes to championship, they are a different animal, and and he's a different animal in the way that he he sets his teams up. So, uh, I think he, a lot of the stuff that um, we seen yesterday, he'd been keeping in his pocket um, for this game, um, and trying to um, even you look at the Antrim game. So many things that were different yesterday in comparison to the Antrim game. So, if you look at those two games, you think he was keeping a lot. Yeah, a lot of stuff up his sleeve in order to do that. So I do, ex- I do completely accept that point, and he has to be, he has to be held responsible for that. But I just think when it comes to championship football, the way he sets his teams up, and 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 just for us to 
maybe get away from this thing where um you know if you if you lose you know that in some way you've got it wrong you know you have to look at the quality of both teams you have to look at the where both teams are operating as far as uh league positions and all that so that's that's the big thing for me and that's something that sort of irks me now and again whenever teams talk about you know like certain teams winning all Ireland's or certain teams you know uh winning Ulster titles or Munster titles or that like I mean that doesn't mean they're any better coach it just means a lot of teams that the quality isn't the same in both camps Gary uh, down in Clare the huge step forward that Clare football made in the last seven or eight years is hugely attributed to Colin Collins often. Do you think that that's right? Uh, I do, yeah. yeah. In fairness, if you look at if you look at what we had uh, or our standing before Colin came in versus since Colin came in, you can't argue that uh, Colin has been one of the main drivers in that impact. Now, in fairness, to be fair, in the previous couple of years, Michal McDermott, we had been, we'd won six out of six in Division Four to start with, which in any other year I think would have got you promoted. Um, and then we ended up losing the last two to Limerick by point and Watford, and the two of them got up ahead of us. Um, that was when there was nine teams in it, Kilkenny played. But then the following year, Mick O'Dwyer was with us, and we were beaten by. Uh, Limerick again or we drew with Limerick I think maybe on the last day where a win would have put us up so it's not like we were miles off it um, in some years we had been but I always felt that once we'd get out of Division 4 we actually could make strides pretty quickly it was just that fact that we were in the in the bottom division not everyone was buying in and I felt if we could get that leap we'd get we'd start to build quickly I suppose and when Cullum came in, I think the big thing that Cullum did was he removed excuses. So a lot of the time there had been guys were saying the hurlers get this and we don't get that or, you know, we're not supported in this way or the hurlers are supported. And Cullum just removed that, whether to some degree we got better resources. Um, but I still would say we probably weren't on par with the hurlers, but that just became a non-issue and, and the focus was on ourselves and, and what we needed to do. And I think it's that mindset and that kind of culture that he started to create that was the real um, kickstart for for us starting to develop and improve and move up the divisions and become more competitive. So I would say he was the man who really instilled that mindset. And that's why I think it's more than fair to, to say that um, he, he should get you know most of the credit for what has happened now he's also been very intelligent in the coaching choices he's made and the coaches he's brought in um early on in those times i know colin had watched us in the monster final in 12 where cork ran through us for three goals and, and that used to drive him cracked so his first coach was paddy kazan um who straight away set us up defensively um we had a good uh, now we weren't a defensive team but we had a good defensive structure um, and when Paddy moved on, then he looked to develop that in another angle. You know, we kind of took what Paddy had brought with us. E. F. Fitzgerald came in for a year. We had Mick Bowen then as well, who looked to develop and I suppose really looking to up the skill levels um, and trying to look at our attack a bit more. So he, he kind of brought the learnings from each coach with him as he went along and, and used the people around him very, very well. So 
does take it takes a whole team, obviously, and Colin would be the first to say that. It takes having the players and it takes having the coaching team. It takes having, um, I suppose, all the support network around you from the county board and supporters clubs or whatever it may be. But someone has to be the figurehead and someone has to, people have to believe in that figurehead and have to believe in that leader. And I think that's what Colm uh, brought to us anyway. And, and in, in that respect, I, I've, I've really... I really enjoyed the, the the columns that you've written for the Examiner, and learned from them in the last few weeks. The and you were very generous in what you wrote about uh, Limerick and Clare and, and Limerick and the job that Billy Lee is doing, but doing there. But you had, a, you had a really interesting line in the middle of the last column where you wrote, "Far too often in my time, we played not to lose." What 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 did you mean by that? Yeah, well, I, I would say that was more a criticism of ourselves as a group of players, maybe. Yeah. Um, there was probably uh, probably a certain amount of fear of, like, when we were playing Limerick, we had started to climb the divisions. They were not climbing them in the same way. We had started to get the upper hand. And when we were playing Limerick in the first round of the championship, everything hung on that because our shot against Kerry could only happen if we got over Limerick. And I think we used to play a little bit tentatively, a little bit afraid of of losing to Limerick rather than actually going at them and attacking them and, and using our strengths. Um, so that was kind of what I was referencing there. I was hoping that Clare would would really go at Limerick and try to trouble them rather than being, becoming completely focused on what Limerick could threaten with and, and trying to shut that down. And they actually did, but the results, I suppose, didn't, uh, didn't go their way. But much like Oshin said, you know, because Clare lost that game, it didn't mean that Clare didn't play poorly. Uh, in a lot of aspects, Clare improved their play hugely from the league. It was a much better display than a lot of their league games, but uh, Limerick just played better. And sometimes you have to take that. The the one thing I was listening to you, Oshin, talking about the Cavan performance, and it strikes me that a lot of people throw out the words moral victory when a team maxes out but comes up short. How do you respond to those words, moral victory? Yeah, I don't think there's much in that, much in a moral victory. I don't really think there's like it's moral victory sounds like somebody getting some something out of it, but I don't really feel as if anybody got anything out of it yesterday. You know, I don't think Calvin got anything huge out of that yesterday. Um, walking away, I mean, I think in time to maybe have a look at it and say we've got a lot of things right. Um, but you know what, what GA is like, you know what sport is like. Uh, the fo- real focus will be on the things that went wrong. Uh, the few chances they had, you know, when probably from 56 or 7 minutes to about the 63rd or 4th where, uh, you know, Jason McLaughlin had one chance in particular where, you know, you probably need to recycle that ball, especially if you've got number two on your back and, and get it back out and try and get McCarron or somebody on it who is having start starting to have a massive influence on it. Um like I I do know Paul and I do appreciate that when we went through the game yesterday we spent a lot of time talking about Kevin in particular at half time when it was nine each. But I think that's just where both teams were coming from and the expectation that that you have on on uh on Donegal coming into the game. I mean, you know, they're they're a division one team that like they've been now in ten 
Ulster finals in 12 years, which is, is a truly amazing stat. They've, they've done a lot of that from the preliminary round as well, which was before Donegal started to progress through the preliminary rounds was completely unheard of. Um, so, like, Donegal are doing a lot of things right. I just always feel as if there's more there. I always feel as if, if you look at the squad, that, it, you know, a lot of teams would be very envious of it. I look at Cavan yesterday. I look at their under-20s. I look at Monaghan. I look at there's a couple of other teams, but they're the ones that just spring the mind off the top of my head who are getting the absolute maximum out of the players that they have. I don't think Donegal are getting the maximum out of the players that they have. Um, and they look uh, a bit better, actually, in the second half. Uh, and maybe that's the half of football that we should focus on and say, like, that's that's more like Donegal. But really and truly, two shots for points, break and ball, stick them in the net. And that's essentially why they won the game. So uh, I just think that I just think for me, again, go back to what we were talking about at halftime yesterday, is I just don't feel as if they mix it up enough. I think I think at times, like in the first half, like never. I don't think they real. You know, they put enough ball into the full forward. And I know sometimes I can over egg that a bit. You know, being direct and that. But it's sometimes you just got to make the other team think, even if it comes back out. You know, just just to, to another make the other team think that they can't set up in a way that you know they're continuously you know making that wall going to break out. I mean, Tony Golf. What had they at half? Was it nine each at half time, and that five of those were free kicks? Like, you know, two of them probably debatable enough. So, like, we could have been in a much different position um, uh, at half time, but just felt as if they didn't mix it up. But I think they deserve credit for the fact that not playing that well, they're stuck in the game. And it just felt as if you're watching a game, like, if you're just watching a game, you weren't. Close to the scoreboard. I mean, if you weren't paying passing any remarks to the scoreboard, you would think Cavan were winning by seven or eight points. That's how dominant the the, the performance felt. And yet Donegal stuck in there and then played much better football, mixed it up a little bit. Are more they contenders? The Are they contenders for the All Ireland? I think the contenders um by via via the fact that I don't think there's any outstanding candidate. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, that I you don't, don't think, think Kerry are the outstanding candidate? They're, they're, they're a candidate. Um, they're one of the top candidates, but there's still, they're still, they're still stuff I don't like. There's still stuff that... What don't you like? Oh. Like, a couple of years ago, Paul, right? In the last couple of years, when, when, when Dublin were dominant, okay... One of the things I used to hear from cer- from certain people and people in the same game as ourselves was that I don't know who's going to beat Dublin, but somebody's going to beat Dublin. And and I used to, that used to that used to <laughs> grind my gears in a, a huge way. And now I find myself thinking, Kerry are, the, are you know the 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 top ranking team, and yet I always get the feeling somebody's going to pip them on a certain day because certain things are going to malfunction. And I think, I think there's there's problems in, in all of the air. They're not perfect. You don't know who's going to beat Kerry, but somebody's going to beat them. Is that? 
have no, you, be, well, have I you become what you've hated? Yeah, I, I sort of have. I sort of, I sort of have, but I, I just, I'd like to see more of them. I don't like. We don't get any sense of of where Kerry are at, do we? Really, like in in the Monster Championship. No disrespect, but we like we don't get any sense of that at all. Gary, Gary, <laughs> hold on, we, let, let me finish. Let him finish. Go on, Gary. Stick the boot in. Go on, Gary, go on. Gary, you, you can't let that pass. <laughs> no, I let him finish. I let him finish. I'm just I'm priming myself here. <laughs> uh, so I, I just think that yesterday they looked like a lot of players looked like they needed the game. That was the first thing. Um, some guys who had missed out on maybe some of the league action, they looked as if they needed a game. Um, they're not get, they're not get a, a test now until the quarter final. Are they going to be ready for it? The the our qualifiers are loaded, so um, it's impossible to think that they won't get a very very stiff challenge. And they're the two challenges that they have to pass, even to get to an all Ireland final. So. Underprepared. Um, I don't think Monster Challenge was any preparation for uh, going into a an All Ireland quarter final. Kerry, you're going to reach a quarter final, Gary, unprepared. Yeah, I suppose we've we've listened to that now for a long time down here. Um, and there's there's a couple of sides to it. Like uh, on the one hand, right, if Dublin, Tyrone. Any of the top teams were going up playing Kerry in the morning. Uh, it'd be a bit like, you know, will they have enough to beat them? Bear that Dublin team who dominated for five, six years. There'd be no guarantee that any of them would beat Kerry on a given day. And then there's kind of this thing thrown at us or other teams that were not given Kerry enough of a test. Like it's kind of, I suppose, we're doing all we can um, or we're doing all we can. And I do remember there was one year where in particular where we had Kerry in the park at home and I felt we'd been really rattled. I'm not sure it was it 15 or maybe 16 maybe. Um and we should have we should have beaten them. We definitely it was the best chance I'd say we had to beat them. Uh, and Fitzmaurice came out afterwards and whether he was kind of protecting I suppose the the mindset of his own or, or talking to supporters or what he kind of I think he described it as they got the dirty diesel out. You know and if you'd looked at Kerry that day, oh, me coming off the field, I wouldn't have said they were all Ireland contenders or that they were going to win the Ireland, but they did win it. It must have been, was it 14 that went on and beat 20 goals? Yeah. 14, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so oftentimes I found, I suppose, that Kerry, when they'd absolutely eat us, and it happened a couple of times early in the championship, they were probably ticking along too well early in the year at that stage, where on years where we'd um, really put it up to them more and maybe that contributes to what Oshin's saying there that maybe we give them more of a test that they tended to improve a bit more as the year goes on. But, um, you know, that argument just was that Kerry are unprepared, like how prepared were Dublin coming out of Leinster there for a number of years? Um, how prepared were Mayo? Probably a little bit better. You know, so there's there's ways of of managing that if that's um, if that's the major concern for Kerry, like that they're not getting enough of a test. Um, there's there's ways of preparing for that in training or whatever. But uh, were you impressed by were you impressed yeah. by Kerry on Saturday night? Um, 
like I, I felt it was a little bit of a coming into it as a bit of a no win for them because if if they hammered Cork, everyone would say, well, they should have hammered them anyway. And then when they didn't hammer them, it's a bit like, oh, well, there's still questions about Kerry. But I suppose I'd be wondering if if what would have answered those questions about Kerry on Saturday evening? What could they have done that people would have said, oh, the questions about them are answered now? I'm not sure they could have answered them. And they'll only be answered when it comes to an Ireland semi-final or a final. That's the only time Kerry can answer those questions that are there about them at the moment. So it was a little bit of a no-win. I'd be looking at kind of patterns in the play or what um, what might stand to them later in the year. And what was particularly impressive, I suppose, was what I'd call their double teaming or triple teaming at times. So when Cork looked to bring it into contact, first man held up, second man was in within a second, maybe even a third man stripping the ball. Uh, particularly in the second half, they, they increased that intensity around the middle. Um, I didn't think their forward play was as fluid as they might like it to be. They probably didn't get... David Clifford involved as much as they'd like. Um, and around the middle, I think they let Cork um, they let Cork win more of the kick out than they would have liked until such time as David Moran came on. They seemed to set a wall across the middle, force Cork to go along, and then whether win a clean or win breaks. And, and that was a big source of possession for Cork right through the league. And what I had seen them, they were happy enough to go along and flood the breaks and, and take the risk of losing it. And when Cork lost that energy around the middle, that's when Kerry started to take over, I suppose, a little bit more and, and stream through for the and tag on the few scores at the end. So I think they'd be a little bit worried about um, how they were beaten to some of those breaks. They'd be a little bit worried about some of the fluidity in the forward play, but reasonably happy with the intensity of the tackling um, and probably a little bit of concern, sorry, as well, obviously, about how they allowed Stephen Sherlock to, who is a fine kicker, it should be said, um, give him the space to take those opportunities in the first half. So I, I think I think they'd be quite happy coming out of it to say, job is done, we're in the Munster final, we're not the, maybe not as much talk about us now as there was uh, before the game or coming into the Munster Championship. We let people talk about everyone else, and and they'll be timing it for when they want it. I I, I think this it was kind of extraordinary afterwards. It was as if there were Cork people who were relieved that they only lost by twelve points, and that they'd made a match of it for fifty minutes. Yeah, and that I suppose that that says where the Cork public are with regard to that team. But funny, I had seen Cork on the last day against um, Offaly, Offaly, and there was so much even though they could have lost that game, there's still an awful lot to like about what Cork have. Um, I mean, most teams struggle to get one or two really good kickers in the forwards. You know, in the, when you're coming up in those divisions, you might have one or two top forwards that are going to get you four or five points a game. But Cork, to me, had three or four of those scoring threats between Hurley, Sherlock, obviously, um who am I forgetting in the other corner? Colin Mahoney. Colin Mahoney. Um, yeah. You know, they had, they had three, four scorers. And then you had Colin O'Callaghan, Ian Maguire, tearing through from midfield, John O'Rourke. A lot of really, really good ball players. And then you had Sean Powter to come back in. So, like, I suppose Cork, the, the current Cork team are victims of being judged against all of the previous Cork teams. And th- compared to some of those, they don't seem to have the same. Um, 
maybe level of quality or level of grit even I would say but they're not necessarily a, a really poor team either you know um, they have a lot of good, very good footballers and maybe it's just a little bit of that grit or a little bit of that uh, kind of Graham Canty um, aura that they need that, that, that would just bring them to the next no, level No, O'Leary Perhaps. When, yeah. <laughs> when when will Cork next beat Kerry in championship football? Well, I tell you, the th- first of all, I'll tell you, Paul, the things uh, I like about Cork. I like, I like, I like more about their structure. I like more about um, how they went about attacking the ki- uh, the kickouts on both sides, and I know that dismantled after a while, but. This looks to me something slightly new. The plus one permanent sweep, or whatever way you want to plot, uh, put it. Um, it, it's in its infancy as far as they look as if they decided on this and they tinkered with six, seven different things during the league and not deciding on any of them. Whereas they look as if now this is the way they're gonna, this is what they're gonna walk towards. So I like that. I like that about about um, about what they're doing. I, I like the same things as Gary as far as the tra- the threats that they have up front. Um, and again, it's not one threat. It's not two threat. It's it's three or four. And I think when you've got those uh, types of players that can kick scores from distance, I think it gives you the opportunity to get in behind teams sometimes because the expectancy is you know to to play a higher line. So. Uh, there's lots of things I, I like about them. Um, I suppose if you if you're gonna prepare um, to play against um, one of the best teams in the country, you probably need a tried and tested and trusted system. And they don't have that as yet. But if they keep walking towards that and keep tweaking and, t- and tinkering it as they go. Um, Definitely, there's a semblance of something of something really good there. And to be honest, it's a long time since I said that. As far as beating Kerry, uh, that that's a long way off. And they shouldn't. Everything to do with Cork football should not be measured on 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 whether they can beat Kerry or not. I think there's there's bigger things need to happen in order for for uh, for that to materialise down the line. Um, they play. Kerry, I think again on Thursday night in the in the minor, um, in the minor championship. So beating Kerry at that at those levels, uh, and continuing to do that, which they which they have done uh, at different stages down through the years, is important to them and important to the next generation. Because I'm hoping, and I don't know this, but I'm hoping that there is now more of a more joined up thinking as far as what's happening with the twenties, what's happening with the minors. And a pathway through to that senior squad, um, and if there's not, then they mightn't be carried for twenty years. But if there is that pathway there, then the set, there's a semblance of something decent, and they seem to have settled on the way they want to play. I mean, just because you didn't beat Kerry with it doesn't mean you dismantle it and and try something else. They've tried enough things. This looks like something which gives them that bit of solidity. And I know that sounds ridiculous. I haven't conceded twenty-three points, but um, that you know, g- they kept them in the game for 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 a long, long time. And so 
for me, uh, we can, I know that's, uh, again, just to add to your point, I know that sounds ridiculous having lost by 12 points. The It was interesting, Gary, uh, we, we were down in uh, Dingle last weekend and the... the... We, weren't, we weren't invited, Gary. <laughs> some of us <laughs> some of us some Don't of us are the you, Oshie, no. <laughs> some, some of us are banned from the greater Kerry region <laughs> for crimes against football um, we, we were down there l- l- last weekend and Ronan McCarthy said that the progression one of the things he said he said a load of very interesting things but one of the things he said was that for Cork football to progress they needed to burn the boats in terms of the hurlers and that is that it was fine for lads to play dual going up through the ranks but once they got through minor if and once certainly by under 20 if they decided to go with the hurlers then good luck but there was to be none of this wavering between the two coming in for a while going out for a while and that people have to do it is and i, I know that you you mentioned that relationship with the, with the hurlers and claire earlier is that with the way cork football needs to go um I think Cork is a big enough county that they could afford to they could afford to do that. Um, but I, I, I'm always reluctant to say like there should be a hard and fast rule about this because every individual is different. Now I'm not suggesting that I think uh, a player can do senior inter county jewel at this stage. That I think that day is gone. But it's over, um, isn't it? It's over. For example, over. yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Um, but I mean. I can take the example, we'll say, of Podge Collins, who was with the hurlers and then came back to the football. Like, I have no issue with Podge coming back into the football. If he's good enough, he'll get on the team. You know, and, and that's that should be maybe the judge. Uh, perhaps if, uh, and Podge didn't always get in our team because he maybe needed a bit more time with the football, but after a little bit more time with it, he might get into the team. And maybe that's what Cork should be focusing on, that are are they have they enough footballers without relying on the potential dual players? Um, and that's that's probably a better read of it rather than saying necessarily no hurlers or, or, or something like that because you know you might pick up someone that uh, maybe thinks they're going to be involved in the hurling for a couple of years doesn't work out for them and and in three years they could be an excellent halfback cornerback you know something for you so. I, I, that's I suppose my my experience of it. But I think when you talk about when Cork will beat them again, it's it's very noticeable for us here. Um, yeah, I'm teaching St. Flannans and we we play in the Cornwall which is the the Munster A colleges, um, and it's constantly now it's Tralee CBS, it's St. Brendan's, it's Public School Cork uh, and even our Froome Cup team, under 16 and a half team, made a final this year. Um, and Tralee were, Tralee didn't make it, Brendan didn't make it, Public School Kirk Aguina didn't make it, but Mercy and Talk from Tralee made it and gave our boys a bit of a clipping. So they seem to have, uh, you know, a whole host of schools, clubs, teams, all contributing to this pool. And, and even recently I saw again that, um, Jason McGahan is down there and, and uh, they have now 15 or 20 coaches trained up in the latest um, UK SCA Strength Condition Association, um, all accredited. Uh, I don't know how many there is in Ireland, but I'd say there's 80% of them now in, in, potentially in Kerry at the moment, you know, so um, 
they're doing an awful lot of things right, a huge amount of things right. And for all those, the rest of us in the province who are trying to compete with them, um, it's it, our focus should be most more so on doing what we need to do to get the best out of ourselves rather than necessarily what, what they are doing, you know. Uh, but there's a lot to do that. We need to do as much to match up to them. Um, so I suppose coming back to what I was saying, I, I'm not seeing that same level of dominance from the Cork schools that we would one time have seen in the Cornivory and, and the different uh, schools competitions. But um, that's not to say, I suppose, that it won't change in the next couple of years. But at, at the moment, the supply lines look healthier in Kerry, I would say. I was looking at the looking at the matches at the weekend and the choice of man of the match in in various games. Oshin, how is man of the match selected? I always just look at which corner forward has done the has done the best. <laughs> um, well, I suppose it's just it's it really is the the naked eye, and then maybe backed up with a few bits and pieces as far as I be concerned. Um, the way I look at at man of the matches, you know, when the game was there to be won, I suppose, you know, who's who's your top performer? Um, when the game's in the mountain, but I mean, like, you know, the guy who finishes with ten points but kicks six of them when his team's nine points up is it's not man of the match for me. It's who has that biggest influence when the game is, uh, I say, tight or in the mountain pot. And uh, and then I suppose you just you're looking for affirmation then because there's there's three of us picking with the BBC yesterday and so um, it's the co-commentators yourself Mickey Hart and Peter Canavan sorry in the in the, no, the analyst yeah the analyst we, we we what normally happens is we pick our own man of the match individually and then that goes up to Marty and Marty then that's uh, Marty Clark who's co-commentator. Yeah, sorry, who has the choice then of those three. So yesterday, for example, I said Jamie Brennan, Canavan said Jamie Brennan, and Mickey Hart said Jamie Brennan. So when it went up to Marty, he wasn't he wasn't spoiled for choice, like you know what I mean? So he went with Jamie Brennan. I didn't even ask him after it if he if he concurred. Because I know that I think Owen Bon Galler got it as well, but maybe an RTE. Um, um, uh, from uh, right and I, I think I Ryan McHugh was mentioned as well. Right. Um. Well, I just thought Jamie Brannan. Do you know what I mean? I thought he was he was exceptional. Yesterday, I thought his his movement, um, his four points from play. Um. But that's how we pick it. That's essentially how we pick it. Um. There's days where it could be three different names going up to Marty, and then Marty will have a, a look from there. Because I suppose. Um, Do you think it matters? It doesn't matter to who, to the player. Um, I think it, I think it I think it does. I think it, it it matters. Yeah, no, I think I think it does in in time for something to to maybe look back on. But like I I personally speaking, I've had I've had man of the match awards when I thought I was absolutely horrendous. Um, and so. And I think in in times like that, uh, what are you what are you nodding your head for, guy? Um, <laughs> same, same as, same as. <laughs> but uh, like I, I, I sometimes think that somebody looks down and go, McConville got ten points or he got nine points, and uh, I have to give him man of the match. And I'm thinking, well, six of them were fourteen yard free straight in front of the goals. You know what I mean? So, um. 
Some yeah, but man, man of the match in the 2002 All-Ireland Final, Armagh's only All-Ireland Final, that... You, you can't tell me that that doesn't matter to you. Oh, it does, yeah. I know it definitely, it definitely mattered considering the circumstance, considering, you know, it was our only ever all there and win. Like, that, that that did matter to me and, and does matter to me, but, like, that's all there in, that's all there in finals. It's, uh, it's slightly different. I don't think, I think when you're playing, you know, regular championship games and you're, you're looking to progress, I don't think maybe it matters as much. But uh, it's a nice affirmation for the work that you're doing, you know, on a personal level. And uh, did, all, did all stars matter to you? Probably did, yeah. Probably did. Uh, again, uh, I don't know how I didn't get one in 99 and I don't know how I did get one in 2000. So it's just. Strange, and I suppose that dilutes it, waters it down a bit. Uh, maybe doesn't make it feel as significant because you're wondering, you know, how those decisions are co- are come about. That I get one in in two thousand because I didn't get one in eighty nine or whatever. But look, at, uh, I I I would say that you know, um. It's a strange one, the All Stars, because as I say, I felt as if, personally speaking, I felt as if I had had better years, and in two thousand I got one when I didn't feel as if I deserved one, you know. So it's mm. a, it's a it's a strange way. It's just it's a strange and and the same thing with the man of the match award. But then you get a bit a little bit older, and you just accept everything that's coming at you. Like you know, what I mean, if you get it and, and you don't really deserve it, you just take it anyway and just go, yeah, I'll t- I'll take that. But um. I think they, I think they matter to players, and I think they matter to players who maybe aren't always the first name to roll off the lips of people. Because the tendency is that if it's a toss up between the gay, you know, like the Michael Murphys or Ray McHugh's and Ian other, the tendency is to go with the with the with the same formula as normal and say, you know. Michael Murphy or, or Ryan McHugh, whereas, you know, somebody else has had a, a particularly big influence on the game. Like yesterday, for example, when I would say McCall, who has been a big player, um, uh, Owen Bond Gallagher, McManaman, um, who else, Langan, Patrick McBrady, Michael Murphy, when, when none of them were really in the game, McGee, um, it was the likes of Jamie Brennan that, 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 that really stood up, and and Pat O'Mogan probably as well, who's another guy who was probably unlucky enough not to get it. But uh, those are the guys who stood up when it was really, really tough for Donegal. Did you ever feel any resentment from other players, or did anyone ever make a comment to you about when when you got something and maybe even you felt yourself you didn't deserve it? Yeah, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my brother, he would have, he would have, uh, you probably, you may have had that problem yourself, Paul, but I, um, brother Jim, who probably deserved, who probably felt he would have deserved maybe the first year we won the All Ireland across, he might have felt he deserved the man of the match on a couple of occasions and I kept getting it. Um, uh, so yeah, and, and a couple of players would have mentioned and stuff, but it's all very lighthearted, but you, you do get the sense that, they are actually deep down disappointed and fed up and pissed off and all the rest. But you get a name for these things and you keep getting them. <laughs> yeah. Gary, Gary, I was looking back um, 
through comments that people made when when you retired and I was looking back at teams that were basically picked and nominations that you got and you got a whole host of Man of the Match awards yourself um, and Seamus Clancy for example says you're the greatest player player of all time you're mentioned whenever teams are picked of the great one as being in the running for a team where the greatest of greatest players never to win in all Ireland and so on to what extent to what extent do you do you take something from that um I suppose a certain extent it's not it's nice like when you're retired and finished it's I suppose it's nice to an extent um the likes of Shannon Stancy considering he's our only all-star and uh someone I'd come across on and off the pitch something someone like him saying something like that would is meaningful you know you take you take a lot from that but, um I don't know teams that never won all Ireland like or you know I, I'm not sure how much they uh like you could you could throw lots of very very good teams together there from 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 any sort of background even players within counties who have won lots of all Irelands that maybe mightn't have been there at the time when they did win all Ireland uh, and wouldn't get mentioned in that kind of breath but there was just a few things there in the the man the match you were discussing that um like I've done it a couple of times myself for TG Carr and it's my least favorite part of the job is trying to pick a man the match because it's usually the co-commentator on TG Carr that picks it as well. You might get a word in your ear, but the the thing I've often found about it, and I think it's evident in who ends up getting the man the matches, is that there's a personal perspective or, or a lens. Like I, I see the match through the lens I always saw the game. So I'm naturally biased towards looking at the midfielders and what are they doing. Uh, most of the pundits talking about Gaelic football are forwards. Here, here. I can't think of too many. Can't think of too many defenders. So the natural tendency is to look at what the forwards are doing and see that, um, see that before you see maybe the work of the defender. And that's not to say that wrong choices are made, but it's it's so difficult now at times to pick out one player in a in what is a team game like that. You know, there was times when I got man the match and okay, I might have um, won a few kickouts and and kicked two or three points, but like I'm not winning those kickouts if the kickout isn't perfect from the goalkeeper or I'm not creating those scores if someone isn't getting the ball into position where I come off the shoulder to, you know, and, and that's, obviously that's going to have to happen in man the match. You're going to have to pick someone, but um, there's so many, I suppose, uh, moving parts that contribute to one person having that really effective performance that uh, that probably doesn't get the recognition maybe that it, I suppose, deserves, but I suppose that's the job of the likes of us to try and, that are talking about games, to pick up on that and, and, and highlight it. Gary, you you got a couple of man of the match uh, awards when your team didn't win. Does that does that change the perspective? Um, because I don't remember any of them watching, but uh. I remember I remember I remember He's, one. I remember one. I think I do too. It was a month. It was a it was a match against Kerry. It was a monster final or semi final. I can't remember which. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah look, it's it is. Uh, Again, it's it's nice recognition for the personal effort. You'd say, yeah, okay, I, I gave what I could give there today, and and someone someone saw that. But if you could swap it, obviously for the win, or swap it for a monster championship or whatever, I definitely uh, I take that trade all day. Like, and, and there was it's funny there was times, probably more later in my career, where I was like, I hope I don't get behind the match. No, there's no one because. It might put a bit more heat on someone else that you know the next day when you're going out, 
after after winning the game and you got man the match, you could be sure that every single thing you had done was going to be analysed to a T. Whereas maybe someone else might take some of the heat if if they end up getting the man. You know. Now you're just talking about Seamus Clancy as well. My first season with Armagh, we were in Division Three, and uh, I was absolutely playing it. I think we played. Um, I think um, Clare was maybe a fifth or sixth game in the league, and I was absolutely, I was tearing it up. I was only, as I say, the first season in. It was about, I was about ten and a half stone, probably wet through at that stage. But um, I come up against Seamus Clancy, who I'd never heard of before. Uh, and I was taken off after about possibly 40 minutes. And you know what? I was absolutely delighted to get off as well. He was, <laughs> he was tough. He was he was so tough. I hadn't a clue what was coming down the road, what was coming down the track for me that day. But a uh, super player. I was Gary, tough, you... tough unit. We, we actually played them, would you believe, in a, an intermediate final in... 2006 and Seamus was still playing uh, and he was in the middle of the field and uh, himself and his brother were were still Cullum they were still uh, doing damage to them running the show and Seamus with some battle that day I was young lively trying to run around the place Uh, Seamus was at the latter end of his career and trying to make sure I didn't (laughs) 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 I'll never forget him at the end of the game saying and I was disgusted with him like he was after in my mind doing everything he could to stop me playing football but uh, you never stop trying fair play to you the beat is like you know (laughs) (laughs) you kept going (laughs) the the the, 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 that idea of of Seamus Clancy playing with his brother midfield and Killian uh, you played with Killian and Shane for 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 your brothers Mm. for Clare how how different does it make it when you play on a team with your brothers you're way harder than them. <laughs> I know it's uh, it's a great thing for the family. Like it's a great thing for the family. But um, I definitely would have been. I, I'm I've been guilty. I'd be way too hard on on Shane, especially Shane is a bit closer in age to me. Killian, I suppose only we only overlapped for a couple of years. But I would definitely have been a bit hard on Shane. Uh, I suppose I'd expect because I know I'd always know what he's capable of. You know, um, but it's. It's it's a very special occasion. There was only one day I think where the three of us were going off um, together, uh, and Killian wasn't even involved in the squad that day. He was kind of in training with us, but uh, and then Shane was desperately unfortunate with injuries, broke a collarbone, had a, a list frank fracture in his foot that kept him out. So um, had he got a better run with us, I think there's a good chance the three of us would have been on the field together. But um, it's it's very special for. The family and it's i suppose i know exactly what i'm going to get then when i'm playing with the lads i know exactly what i'm going to get from them, you know and um, that other player that you're maybe still developing a relationship with you're not 100 certain what he's going to do when he gets the ball when you're playing with your brothers that's you know straight away you don't have to think you know i know if shane gets the ball in a particular position if i move to x i'll get it or um you know, if when I get it and get my head up, I know where he's going to be. That sort of thing. So it's it. Football now is even more so becoming about connections and relationships and being able to understand one another. And, and obviously, with your brother, that's that's a, a lot easier done than than someone else. And I know, Shane, you with 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 your brother Jim, who is 
an iconic figure in Armagh football, an iconic figure in, in Cross Midland football, or how did that work? Actually, the first year we won the All-Ireland, Paul Herty had actually broken his leg uh, at work, and actually my brother Jarlett ended up in goals for <clears throat> the whole of the Ulster Championship and right through the All-Ireland final. So he was in goals the first year we won the club, and, and Jim was corner forward. But I played with Jim, we had a couple of years of an overlap at... Um, at what do you call it at at Armagh as well? But I remember being in Cork one day and we needed we needed a point to uh, I think to stay up, and um, Jim got fouled. Um, and at the time, when I say he got fouled, he, he got probably fouled. Like he, he um, we had to wait for the ambulance to come on and and get him get him off the pitch. And it was like a free from about forty five yards. Time was more or less up, and uh, like uh, he was. He was in a bad way, and they were taking him off, and he got them to stop, shout back at me, to tell me, make sure I kicked that over the bar. He was after getting killed for it. Um, <laughs> so um, it, the dynamic with, with myself and Jim was that, like, he was he was my older brother. Um, you know, he would have dictated a lot of what we did in the forward lane and we sort of followed his lead for the majority of the time um and i remember one day i was i was the penalty taker <clears throat> and i might have missed one along the way during the season and we had a we used to have a team meeting we used to be in the hotel so we'd have a team meeting with the management and then the players would have five minutes together and during during the players meeting he said at the end of what he had to say, because he was captain, he said, uh, listen, Oshin, uh, I'll be taking the penalty today just to take a bit of the pressure off you in front of everybody. So I, I, <laughs> it's nothing I could say. And we actually ended up getting a penalty. And we took the penalty and put it in, and he was the penalty taker then until uh, I think he might have missed one, and then I got, I got them back. But um, So that was the sort of dynamic there. But the dynamic is, is, is strange because... I don't know how you guys felt because I know Paul, you play with a brother or two as well. But um, the dynamic that was in the house wasn't necessarily the one that transferred onto the pitch as far as who was doing what and who was the leader as far as um, and who was doing what. But it just it's it's an, it's just a nice feeling whenever you get whenever you get success. Because for me, I was much younger than both of those, both of my brothers, so. Like I was mascot the first time that they won uh, a county championship, and I just wanted to, but I never actually thought I'd ever get playing with them. Um, but we did, and we had that overlap for a number of years, and it was very special. And then obviously playing with Armagh at the time, even though we weren't winning anything um, or being successful, it was still a, it was still a great time to be involved. With. Is is there? I, I I know I know you mentioned a bit with uh, being hard on Killian and all of that. And there is definitely, it is a, a totally different thing to play with your brother. There's no, in, in my view, anyway. But is it also a thing that if there's a bit of aggro in a match, it makes things a little bit different too? I was reading um, match reports from the 1930s, or there was interviews about match reports from the 1930s, where Mick Mackey, the Limerick hurler, whose brother John played wing forward beside him. And John Mackey was asked about what it was like to play with Mick. And uh, he says, with us, it was hit one, hit two. In other words, if our house started, everybody was in. Is is was that your experience of it too? I don't know if you realise now, Paul, but I'm actually married to a grandniece of Mick Mackey. 
Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> so I don't know if that's a target question. No. Uh, no, well, it actually say, was. I've seen those three. <laughs> when I see those three sisters playing together, that's definitely followed down the lineage. But um, <laughs> no, I suppose I, I'm the eldest, so uh, it's slightly different for me from what Oshim was saying there. I'd have, I would feel a certain sense of uh, protective, to be a protective nature, like you know, but. I'd, I'd be the last fella to get involved in a row in the field, to, to be honest. I, I'm, I need a bit, probably need a bit more of it in me, but uh, if there's a row happening, I'd, I'd go in and clear it out, maybe. But um, yeah, that that is probably the thing that would get the blood boiling more than you'd be, most. You'd be sent off now, you'd be contributing to Malie, so you'd be sent off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that ever happens, Barry, they've good lawyers in Armagh, they can sort it all out for you. No problem. <laughs> Ouch. Um, yeah. Um, Oh, Oshin, what about you? Did it did it add? And like, was Jim protective of you when when you came? Actually, I read I read something that you said um, when you you gave a tour of Crow Park in two thousand and nine, and you talked about after the drawn match in two thousand, you'd had a hard time in the drawn match from Seamus Moynihan, which in fairness is no shame in that. But you went to Jim. You were talking to Jim about it afterwards, and he was talking to you about not bringing it into contact with him, which is in fairness, not bad advice <laughs> and about moving him side to side and stuff like that. Is that, did you find that useful? And well, did he, was you, he protective of you? Well, I'll tell you exactly what he said. He said, um, stay the fuck away from him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that basically was, yeah, don't take it into contact with him. Don't keep him on the move and all that sort of thing. So yeah. And he was very good. His movement was his movement was unbelievable. Yeah, he was a brilliant footballer. Yeah, I would have looked a lot at, at his movement as far as um, you know, how to how to lose defenders and and not having to make the hard run, the big long hard run all the time. So, uh, I would have learned a lot from him in uh, in that way. And the the thing about um, the thing about being protective, yeah, probably overprotective to begin with. And then there was a discussion we had at one stage where, you know, we were probably being targeted and people were preying on the fact that, <clears throat> you know, we were standing up for each other or every time he was fouled. And, and then we talked about, you know, how being targeted or fouled or, or, you know, hit off the ball or whatever was a compliment. And I sort of, we sort of talked that and we run with it and we, we uh, <clears throat> we use that, and I still use that with with young young ones now, or or teams that are coached. Like somebody's at you, it's a compliment. You know that they're 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 scared of what you can do. So we used to do that. But look at the dynamic for me was great because Jim used to win the majority of the frees, and I used to have the job of kicking them over the bar, and that was the that was a dynamic that I really liked. To be honest, we'll leave it there. For, for this week thanks very much uh, I know you have you have a busy morning off is, or is it tomorrow morning the facial is <laughs> yeah Oshin's made a run for uh, his facial there he had to go so so thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast to Raf Rocca to Jack Neville to Tony Lean for making it happen and to everyone at Examiner Sport a huge thanks to, to Renault for their support also thank you to Oshin McConville and especially to Gary Brennan for joining us today We'll be back soon. Thank you. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen,